if there's one thing that you guys know I am passionate about, it's being a dad. It's parenting my three knucklehead kids. I'm just kidding. They're not knuckleheads all the time. But listen, I've got for anyone that wants to get deep into the mind of a dad, I've got the thing for you. My two friends, Dave Barnes and John McLaughlin, have an incredible podcast called The Dadville Podcast. Funny thoughts, deep talks. And what I love about this podcast is Dave and John, they're world-renowned musicians, but not only are they musicians, they are some of the wisest yet funniest dads that I know. And every single Tuesday, they release a brand new episode of the Dadville podcast. So every Tuesday, I would love for you guys to make sure you download the newest episode. They've got episodes with Tyler Hubbard from Florida, Georgia line. I had to add some country twang to that. They've got oh, Ted Danson. You guys remember Ted Danson? He's like, like TV dad. They've got incredible guests that uh, they're just kind of sitting around talking about dad stuff. You don't just have to be a dad to listen to this. You can be a mom or you could just be anybody that wants to hear wise, intelligent conversations from some dads that really love their kids. Search for Dadville Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. What is good, fam? Welcome back to another episode of Human Hope with your host, Carlos Enrique Wittiger Guzman Archibald Cabello, or Los for short, whatever it is. I am so, so grateful that you guys have trusted me with a few minutes of your time this beautiful Thursday morning or whenever it is. I mean, you, you ain't got to be listening to this on a Thursday morning. I'm just grateful that you are here. Uh, what a week we have had since the last episode dropped. You know, the last episode we talked about overcoming anxiety, overcoming different issues uh, that we're having with our mental health. And if there's ever been a week that has pressed me when it comes to my mental health and just what's happening in society and culture this week, it has been a heavy, heavy, heavy week for me. And for you, I know it actually has. And why is that? Well, because this week, we have seen two black men who uh, one was just had a really horrible run in with the police. Uh, and the second one was killed by a police officer. And the Internet did what the Internet did. And it exploded. And I did what I do on the Internet. And I tried to bring level headed conversations from a black man that has friends that are police officers, yet also holds police officers accountable for their actions. And being that guy that kind of walks the middle road of being a peacemaker, th this week, it actually, it wore me out. It it did. Like, I I was exhausted. And, and I want to say that it, it wore me out because, actually, before those were released, before I saw those videos, I was actually in Sea Island, uh, off the coast of Georgia. And when I, when I walked into this beautiful island and this beautiful resort, um, I was taken aback. I was taken aback. We were there with some of our best friends. Uh, it's funny. We, we've only really been friends with them for a few months, but I'm already calling them my best friends. And we were there. It was an incredible time of fellowship. Like we got to hang out. We got to meet incredible people. 
But the whole time I was on, it was called the Cloister was this resort. The whole time I was on the resort, there's just something about being in the deep South when a majority of the kind of working class employees at this resort were black and the obvious majority of the guests were white. Um, I mean, listen, it's, it's not like that's just not a normal thing in general. Um, white people have a lot more money than black people do in America. I mean, that, that's, it is what it is. Black people work a lot more working class jobs than white people do. I mean, we're not getting into that data or those stats. That's not what this conversation is about right now. What made me uncomfortable, knowing that America is what it is, is just that it's like I could see it. It's like I could see history walking around without it really being history, right? Like it was walking, the kind of like the blatant, obvious classism that exists there uh, bothered me. It just, it just bothered me. <laughs> uh, so as a black guy, it bothered me seeing um, most of the workers being black and you know, like I, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a guest here. Like, I'm like, I'm trying to tip a lot bigger than I normally would. I'm trying to, but then I'm trying to not insult with a bigger tip, you know, like it's just one of those things. And so I decided to do a deep dive into the history of the Island. And I found some incredible, incredibly difficult black history there. And so what I did is I do what I do what God does. I went on a jump. And I got on a little bicycle and I rang my little bell and I drove to a spot where 70 black slaves drowned themselves when they got off their slave boat, they ran it into ground, got off the slave boat. And they said, we would rather die than be slaves. Now this happened in 1803, but this place didn't even have a marker. There wasn't even like a historical marker. Like I had to do some digging and like, I took my little bicycle and I found it. All of this is on a on a IGTV if you go to my Instagram. But what what that did is that began like just a very hard emotional week for me because I was I was teaching um, people that follow me on Instagram the history. Well, what happened when I taught the history is I started getting all this pushback from people going like, "Oh, we shouldn't have black history and white history. It should just be all history." And um, you don't even know if that was true. And uh, there was just a lot of people beginning to defend, right? Like, like, like they're, they're defending. They, they felt, um, attacked. I was not, I wasn't attacking, man. Like the, the kid that rented me the bike had never even heard of this place. He'd lived there for 18 years. So I was educating. I, I, I showed him where it was. He's like, wow, I've never even heard of this now. And why would he have, it's not taught in there. It wasn't taught to him in his high school or elementary school curriculum. There's no marker on the side of the road saying this is the point where this happened. And so I think what it did for me was a, it, it kind of drained my emotions um, from just the experience and the study of it. But B it drained my emotions from like kind of having to like play referee in my comment section from people that were like, you know, all white people aren't racist. I'm like, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> like, why you got to get so defensive from Jump Street? That's not what I'm trying to say. But, you know, sometimes when defensiveness is, rises, you got to take a gut check. You got to take a heart check. You got to look. Anyway, it wore me out. It wore me out. Go, you can go read the comments on my IGTV and you'll get worn out too. Okay. Trust me. Before you do that, drink a couple of glasses of coffee or wine or vodka or whatever it is you need to do to be able to handle that sort of stuff. Um, but what that did is I got home 
And then I saw the video of the officer, the army lieutenant officer that drove a mile, drove a mile after he got lit up. And he drove a mile because um, he was scared. It was nighttime. He was scared to pull over on a dark road with two police officers. And again, I'm getting all the aghast, like, oh, why would he do that? Why would he be scared? Why would, uh, again, I'm, I won't go into it here. And maybe I'll play my IGTV here if, if you haven't heard it. Um, uh, maybe not. I don't know. But because I'll be honest with you, I would risk going to jail for the evening if, if I'm on some back country road and I don't know these police officers and I would rather drive a mile to a lit up gas station just so somebody else can see what's happening. Does that mean that all police officers are like 50% of police officers are going to do something bad to me? No, I'd probably say 99% of them would be just fine, but there's 1% that I ain't trusting in the dark. So guess what? I'm a drive and I'm, I hope they're, they're going to let me off. And so, well, you ended up seeing what happened to the Lieutenant. It was, it was awful. I mean, that, that police officer's been fired. He, he maced him in the face. He's wearing his full fatigues, this, this Lieutenant. And they didn't even arrest him. <laughs> they just maced him and let him go. I'm like, come on. So that was one day. And then sure enough, uh, the next day, Dante Wright is killed by a 20-year veteran police officer as he is trying to flee the scene of when he, where he was pulled over. And... Uh, just seeing another uh, young black kid killed by a police officer. Um, it th- this time th- this was the one that I I just was done. Like I am very proud. I take pride in how measured I am when I respond. But I was yelling on that IGTV video. I was fine at the beginning, but then in the middle I started yelling. And let me let. Me, let me tell you why I was yelling is because I I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of, of reeducating people over and over and over again as to why the black community is tired. I'm tired of telling you why we're tired. Now I feel called to educate. So guess what? I gotta, I gotta suck it up. <laughs> And I have to be measured and I have to educate. But there are moments where I'm not going to be measured. And so I, I put out a, you know, an IGTV video. Um, it's, it's at close to 400,000 views. And I explained that I'm tired. And I wanted people to hear the hurt in me. And I think they saw it. Because, I mean, you think I want to talk about race all the time? I mean, you think you like, like, do you think like, this is like something I enjoy? Like, oh, sweet. Like another, another black kid dies. Like we, I I get to talk about it. No, like, again, I would much rather talk about other things, but here we are and it's important. And so I, um, I went, I went all in and the comments and the DMS wore me out. They didn't, they wore me out. And so guess what? Today I took the day off. Like I'm like, I, I ain't even, I'm not posting anything. And I didn't, I didn't post a freaking thing. Um, I stayed off Instagram, collected myself so that I could have 
this conversation with you guys today, which I believe is going to be so far. I mean, we're only seven episodes deep now, but out of the seven episodes, I need to let you know, this is the most important episode I've released. Now, why is that? Well, if I, if I look at the demographics of my Instagram, my social media and my podcast, okay, the demographics show that, um, it's, it's a majority white audience that follows and listens to me. Now that's not a surprise. Most of my friends are white. Uh, the people that buy my books are white. The churches I speak at are white. This is, it's, it's what I am. There's a, a lot deeper history as to why that is. Uh, we'll get into that in another episode, but that it is what it is. And so I happen to be a trusted black source for many white people. And I, I am honored by that trust. Now, that being said, I've lost a lot of trust in some people because I've said some things this last year that they haven't wanted to hear. And knowing that I am a trusted black voice, I've slowly realized that I may be the only trusted black voice, like the only one. A lot of you guys ain't got no black friends. And I'm I'm like the one for you. And and as much as I appreciate that, can I tell you something? That's not good enough. I need you to go back to episode two of this podcast on empathy and take one of those points where I said, it's time to go walk across the street, walk across, drive across the city, and not only build a short relationship with somebody of a different race than you, but build a deep well of a relationship. It is vital for our country to heal that we get outside of our bubbles, that we get outside of the bubbles of people that look like us, talk like us, vote like us, think like us, eat like us. And so I'm, I'm going to help you today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you three new friends. Yes, yes, yes. Congratulations. Round of applause. You guys get three brand new black friends brought to you by Carlos Whitaker. And these are three of my dearest friends. And what I decided to do on this podcast is ask them a simple question, because this is the question that every single one of you need to be asking your black friends. And the question is this, how are you? That's it. It's not complicated, right? That, that's the question. How are you? That, that's all you need to ask. Pull your phone out right now, unless you're driving, and text your black friends, every single one of them, how are you? Because they are waiting and they are desperate to hear from you, wondering how their hearts are. There's going to be a lot of you that are like, well, I don't have a black friend besides you, Carlos. Guess what? I want you to open up your phone. And I want you to ask me in a comment, in a DM, in an email, how I'm doing. I may not reply to you, but I'm going to feel the love. If, if I'm the only black friend you got, then I, I want you to practice with me. But what, I, what you're going to hear today is me asking my three friends, Propaganda, EJ Gaines, and Corinne, how are they doing? Now, I need, I need, to, I need to warn you, okay? I got people on the left. I got people on the right. I got people on the middle that listen to, to me. And, and you trust me. Okay. So what I need you to do is trust me that even when you hear some things that make you uncomfortable, that may, you, you may disagree with politically, when you start hearing some of these answers from my black friends, they are just being honest and vulnerable with me and with you. They know that I'm recording this podcast and that I'm recording their conversation. They know that you're going to hear them. So even if you disagree with them, I need you to listen, just like my, our friend Sharon McMahon says, right? Listen to understand, don't listen to reply. As you're listening and you hear something that you may not agree with, 
I need you to not be like, I'm out. I'm, 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 I'm out. Like, I'm not going to listen to the rest of this podcast. No, I need you to listen and be like, oh, I wonder why I disagree with that. Well, I, I need to understand a little bit more and then keep listening. And guess what? Then you're going to understand. Does understanding mean that you're going to change your mind? No. But what understanding does mean is that they will see you see them. Oh, friends. And that is the thing that's going to accelerate us towards healing. So I, I, I say all that so that you know they're just going to be, they're, they're raw and they're real and they're answering the question, how are you? There's going to be some tears shed. Um, but I believe that you having three new black friends, <laughs> okay, sorry, Corinne, Prop, and EJ that I just, you know, made you friends with 40,000 people, but um, reach out to them. Let them know. Like, like find them. Uh, you, you can find their information in the, uh, the show notes. I don't even think I have show notes or whatever, you know, like, like when you click on the podcast, I'll put their links on there and I want you to go find every single one of them. Okay. At EJ Gaines. I want you to go ask him how he's doing. Love on him. At Prop Hip Hop. Go let him know. Ask him how he's doing. At Corinne Dynamite. C-A-R-I-N-E-D-Y-N-A-M-I-T-E. Corinne Dynamite. Ask her, how are you? I love you. I see you. I'm walking with you. So, it's a lot of yapping from me. It's time to let my friends let you know how they're doing. Here we go. That the question is, EJ, how are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm hurting. Um, I'm tired. I'm, yeah. and I realized last night I, I'm grieving and feeling like like I guess dealing with trauma. And we didn't yeah. know until, well, at least I didn't know. I'm sure someone knew, but I didn't know or pay attention to the idea that trauma could you could feel it physically. You know, right, right. And you you I mentioned to me that you're you're like your body is. Your literal body is sore. Oh, yeah. I'm achy. Like, my neck yeah. hurts. I'm tense. My shoulders are hunched up. My back is sore. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm getting up there in years, but not like, you know. <laughs> not like me. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be. Not like, no, not like you. God, no. Um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be feeling it like that. And, and I think it was the hardest part that I wish that I don't even want anyone to have to encounter it, but I wish yeah. that I could communicate is that um, Black people in America still go on with life while mm. dealing with what feels like the death of someone in their family. And, and like to, to hold it together on calls or to deal with, mm. you know, passing comments or mm. dismissals and still be a professional or still be smiling or yeah. still be shopping at the grocery store and not like, you know, mumbling, screw mm. you under your breath to every white person you pass. Like mm. that is a thing you have to decide to do. Mm. Mm. And it's work. I mean, it's a workout essentially. And so by the end of the day, I mean, Janice and I, we were just like, yo, Ooh. let's call it everyone. Kids, bedtime. Like we're done. Yeah. Turn the lights out. Like you didn't have anything else to give. Yeah. Yeah. I um. I want you to I want you to lean in and unpack for a second because I think it's so important uh, that my listeners hear you, um, really hear you when you, when you and you you said it kind of jokingly, but there's some truth to walking around a grocery store after you've been carrying trauma of seeing another black man killed, 
and mm. wanting to not mumble under your breath, screw you. Well, where is that coming from? Like, like, like g- give us the humanity behind that, behind why you yeah. would even want, why, why that would even want to come out of you. Yeah. Yeah. The humanity. And it's a good point because, and that's, that's the complication of it because, yeah, you know, as a black man in America, I don't have the luxury of isolating myself or, and and fortunately, nor do I have the desire. You know, I grew up in a very diverse, you know, community in Hyde Park in Chicago, University of Chicago campus. All of my friends, I always say I went to more bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs than the birthday parties because all yeah. of my friends were Jewish. I had tons of Asian friends, tons of black friends, tons of of um, of biracial friends. And um, and even now, most of my closest friends are white. And yeah. and I live in a predominantly white part of, of, of town outside of Nashville. And I love my life and um, the human side of it whispers this lie to you as a black person in America that you're alone and that they're the enemy. That's good. And we all deal with that lie, right? You know, whether yeah. you're white, they're the enemy. If you're black, yeah. they're the enemy. Someone else is always the enemy and yeah. it's not true. Yeah. But in a moment of wounding yeah. um, or in a moment of tension, you just sometimes let down your guard and think, you know what, maybe I just give in, maybe I just mm. give in to that, you know? And, mm. um, and man, I've put in this much work to be in community, authentic community with people who don't look like me, don't live like right. me, don't believe like me, don't have the same experiences. And here they are not giving the same mm. like commitment to me. Right. They're, they don't want to be in community with me like I want to be in community with them. Well, screw them. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going to aisle seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but that's not that's not reality and the hope of it. And, you know, why I love. I love everything about human hope and, you know, hope dealership and and yeah. being tangentially connected to you in this way is that like the hope is no, that lady in aisle six didn't say anything or do anything. And Absolutely. you are no better than anyone else projecting your trauma. If you walk through the grocery store thinking that that's just not reality. That's not true. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's something I'm trying to parse through because the yeah. reality is, you know, I, in, in moments like what we're dealing with in the world right now, I want to start a text thread with all my black friends and yes. all my black family so that I don't have to explain anything or shorthand. I mean, every, everything is just understood. We could, I, I mean, like if you text me about it, if you send me an emoji with a heart, I know yep. everything that heart just said. Everything. And I need that. Like I desperately need <sighs> that. I need that. That's that. Those are hugs, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm. Those are hugs in a season where there are no words, yeah. and when everything feels inexplicable, you know, just to know that someone else says, "Hey, I see you," and even and this is what I love about my white friends, they'll text me, "Hey, I, right. I have no way of knowing, I have no way of knowing what this feels like, but I see you and I love you." Period. Yeah. Done. Good yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. And did you get some of those texts yesterday? I did. I, I got yes. a bunch of those texts yesterday. I was so thrilled. Yeah. I, um, I, a pastor friend of mine sent me, uh, sent me a text. Um, some of my closest friends, just heartbroken emojis. Some of my friends who were dealing with some personal storms in their own lives mm. even took the time to say, Hey, totally consumed with the garbage we have going on, but doggone it. We see yeah. <laughs> you all are going through it too. Yeah. It's a different type of trauma and a different type of pain, but you know, pain is pain. Yeah. 
it pain and hurt is, pain. is hurt. And you know, EJ, uh, you know, probably the most hurtful thing. Ooh, I mean, there's a lot, right? Um, and, and I'm not even talking about like like Instagram. I'm not talking about my DMs. I'm not talking about strangers that that their opinion of whatever subject matter is happening to black men in America, whether they think that we need to obey police, whether they, whatever any of that crap is, that's what I'm going to talk about. Where the pain actually is coming from, for me is, is when there, when I have some of my close friends who, uh, I mean, close friends could be a stretch here, but, but are friends who, who I've, I actually see not choose me. Right. Like, like I actually, I'm seeing it, right? Like I'm seeing them making a decision to choose the other thing. And I am the thing. Yes. The thing, not the person, a thing, not the person, the thing, the idea, the idea, like, like, so it's an, it's a thing as opposed to a soul. And so, yes, (laughs) to me, like like, with that you talk with that we eat and laugh. Yes. You're choosing an ideal over, over me. And and I, I want what, what, what I need people to know is that we just want to feel chosen. We want to feel chosen over an idea. And what hurts the worst is when the idea is chosen the policy is chosen, the whatever is chosen over my heart, over my human heartbeat. Yes. yes. Ta- speaking of that for a second, I mean, is that, does that make sense to you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we, we walked, my wife and I went through a, a tough season over the past year and, you know, social media is so, it's so helpful of a tool, but it's also so vile in how it trips people up. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and there were so many people who had made comments about, you know, during the election season about kind of policies, right? And positions and platforms yeah. and and whether where your faith must be if you side with this and that or whatever the case may be. And someone that we walked with very, very closely for years and years and years said something about um about abortion and being anti-abortion or pro-abortion, and that being the deciding factor uh yeah. for how you need to vote. And my wife said, Hey, you know. I love you and we've done life together forever. You do know that I, as a mom of two black boys, mm. um, baby boys, have have a couple of things that I also have to consider. Yeah. Because they're little black boys growing up in a, in a, in an American context that is not always for them. And so I hear your perspective, but you need to hear mine too and my concerns. And the dismissal Gosh. of that reality rocked us so difficult so so strongly to our core because it was like wait you know my baby boys you've run your fingers through their hair when we're telling you right now as their parents that god is entrusted to like take care of them and we're saying hey just you know as the, as the parents of two little black boys mm. we're also considering yes we're considering those things but we're also sure. uniquely considering some things that you wouldn't be considering to be told like yeah whatever you've dismissed our lives, you've dismissed our parenting, you've dismissed our boys, and you've dismissed their futures. And now how do we pick up and walk with you tomorrow? Mm. And I think mm. that that is the reality is that like, you, you're not, you're not, a lot of people are not like posting because of their own experience. They're posting because of, like you said, an ideal. Right. Some right. notion, some concept 
but I'm the dude. Someone posted on my social media <laughs> yesterday. Um, he said something in a comment like, you know, you're just believing the lies of the, of, of the media and what they're pushing. And I said, no, nah, man, I'm black in America. I don't need I don't need a media. This I'm living it. There's no narrative. It's my life. It's like it's it's 39 years of my life. And I think that that's something that's lost a lot of the time. I was like, I'm not pushing uh, an agenda. I've got nothing yeah. to win. And, and and I was gonna say something online yesterday. I just decided not to because it was contentious in my <laughs> in my heart. It was contentious. Like I knew I was fired up because yeah. I I typed it hard with my thumbs. And when my thumbs hurt, that's when I know that I'm yeah. got a little extra oomph to it. But it was like, if you're tired of feeling like everything is about race, imagine yeah. how I feel. Oh, because I, we're not doing this for fun. Black people don't want everything to be about race. We're responding to the reality that everything has always been involving race to some degree. Oh man. And, um, and, 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 and I think somehow people think that, you know, there's a, there's a level of victimization that people like to feel. And some people do for sure, but that is no, that's not me. And if you know me, then you know that I'm not about that. If you know Carlos, you know, he's not about that. And so it's like, yeah, Look at me. Look at my flesh. Look at my story. Look at my baby boys and my wife. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, and and then decide, is am I crazy? Right. I'm not crazy. Right. You know, like, and, and I, well, I'm a little, but I'm not about those things. And um, and that's why I love when you always say, like, walk with people, don't stand on issues. Because it's like, yeah. man, the minute that you sit with, with someone for coffee, you realize, mm, man, you probably aren't making that up then. That is so good, man. Uh, is the minute you sit down with someone for coffee. Yeah. That is when it gets crystal clear. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. If would you do that? Because I, and I, and, and here's the funny thing. I'm a black guy in America, but I still don't have all the answers for what black people in America need. I don't. Right. Right. And my, my opinion and my perspective is just that it's my opinion and perspective. Yeah. And a white person is going to have a different opinion and perspective that I can also learn from. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Black people need to learn from white people just yes. like, I mean, we need to have collective conversations, conversations. Are you guys hearing this? Are you hearing this? These are two black men <laughs> saying that we can learn from white people. Okay. Absolutely. So like, stop thinking that everybody is, you know, that uh, it, there's just such a false sense of, uh, honestly, a fear. Uh, I think there's a fear of what black people want. You know, th- there's yes. a fear. Yes. There, there's a yes. fear that we, we want, we want, um, you know, Wakanda land, like that, like, that's like, that's like the goal here, you know? Um, but, uh, man, you, you've spoken some really good words. You know, what I wanted to do is just to check on you in on your heart. And I wanted people to, to hear your heart. And, and I think you, you, you did that well, dude. I love you so much. And, um, thanks for hopping on here. Thank you, man. Anytime. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms 
and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What did I say? EJ coming in strong. Uh, I know y'all got nervous when he said trying not to hate white people that are walking by me in the grocery store. I know, I know it made you nervous. Uh, but again, if you listen to understand and you hung on, you know, you heard the humanity of it. Um, so EJ, you guys can follow EJ, an incredible, incredible, incredible man, uh, man after my own heart, man after God's own heart, um, at EJ Gaines on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to EJ Gaines.com and gain is G. G- A-I-N-E-S, EJ Gaines. Make sure you guys follow EJ. Let him know uh, how much you care for him. Ask him how he's doing. Send him some human hope, listener love. Thanks, EJ. Now we're going to move on to another very impactful conversation with my friend Prop. Propaganda is an artist. He's a musician. He's a preacher. He's a truth teller. He's a prophet. He's an author. He is all the things. And more than anything, he's a friend of mine that is just going to tell you guys some hard truths. So um, your next new friend on the Human Hope Podcast, please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Prop. My my simple question is, how are you? Uh, I'm coping, you know. Yeah. Um, I am. You know, you're, it's like, it's probably the same as you, like your emotions run the gambit, right? There's like your need for self-care and to like pull away from, you know, the zeitgeist and from educating and, you know, yeah. the bearing of others, you know, um, <laughs> in all ways, whether like for the better or for worse, you know? Yeah. And then there's just the reality that, you know, <laughs> this is the type of stuff you don't want to be right about, like. The last right. thing I want to talk about is another killing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's yeah. the last thing. I was like, really? You think I enjoy this? You know what I'm right. saying? Like, you know, that's the last thing I want to be talking about right now. You feel me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about the Lakers losing streak. That's what I want yeah. to talk about. Let's, let's you know talk about that. That's what I want to talk about. You know, but like this, it's one of those realities of like, 
at, at what point do I do you do I stop having to like point at evidence, you know? Right. Um right. and like yeah, you go, if I'm gonna say if we're gonna get into the specifics, it's like I sat there and I watched the police chief of uh in the Derek Shelvin trial. Yep pretty much articulate like, yeah, this was terrible. You know what I'm saying? And he was, he's guilty. Like he should yeah. have done this. And then him being like, what's hard about being an officer is you can have a stellar 30 year career and you'll only be remembered by the one mistake you make. And I'm like, do you hear yourself, bro? <laughs> yeah, mean- no, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks, huh? <laughs> It sucks to have to write felon on every possible like job interview you have. Oh. Don't it suck? Don't it suck to be remembered? You know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. so I'm like, man, it's like, yeah, no, huh? Turned on Fox News because I have a way of like, <laughs> either I'm a gluttony for, a glutton for punishment or, or <laughs> I just enjoy like, I just want to hear. Yeah. I just enjoy culture. So I want to I'm the hear. same. Yeah. So. I heard a sister say, I forget her name, man, but I heard a sister say, like, these people, he's like, it's really, if you do this in Minnesota, it's yeah. impossible to have a fair jury to get a fair trial because the culture is so tainted. There's too much emotions involved. And besides, it's like, you're looking outside, the city's about to burn. So you go, yeah. either, I, either I plead guilty, either we find this person guilty or the city burns. You can't mm. judge fairly you can't judge fairly this case. So which I go, huh, that's interesting. So you're saying you can't get a fair trial due to implicit bias. Is that what you're saying? Right. That's what she said. And I'm like, it sucks, huh? <laughs> yeah. So that's my, I'm like, listen, man, this is what we're trying to say. The system don't yeah. work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, it's not just broken for me. Like it's broken. You know, and like this, what we, like, don't you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, I just, yeah. it, I, I, you asked me how I'm feeling. This is stuff going in my I, head. No, th- no, this is good. This is why I call. So have you heard of the, uh, have you heard of the protocols of Zion? I, I have not. Good, because it's trash. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's from like the end of the 1800s. It's basically like the, the, the source material for almost all anti-Semitism um, okay. throughout Europe, right? So it's this idea that like, the Jewish community in Russia and France um, and Prussia at the time all got together and they were planning yeah. this overthrow of the new liberal democracies that were spoke, you know, popping up in Germany. Right. So yeah. again, it's this idea that like this remarkably oppressed people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Jews in, in, in all Europe are also this oh. like <laughs> power group that are going to overthrow and reinstall monarchs yes. across Europe. Like, you know what I'm saying? And not only that, they get together and have meetings. And here yes. go the minutes. You Let's know what I'm go. saying? That's what the protocols of Zion are. They're the minutes for this meeting, right? Wow. So when I hear people say, you know, this that the criminal justice system flawed, there's an implicit bias that the police already, like, have this feeling towards us. And, you know, they're and, yeah. and like... And that we're not treated fairly. This, there's, a, there's a legacy here. And they look at us like uh-huh. we're uh-huh. we're in this like secret cabal right. that we're this we're trying to ruin y'all's life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is <laughs> like this is so ridiculous. Like, I don't understand. 
I don't understand. And then another uh. thing, I'm like, how about from a practical standpoint, I don't understand why tasers are the shape of guns. Right. <laughs> like, okay. oh, yeah, well, it's, it's lighter. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's lighter. It's a different color. Okay, yeah, it's a different color. But I understand. I'm going to grant this. When you're right. amygdala, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Your, your lizard brain the clicks animal in, part of your brain. Yes, uh -huh. it's fight or flight. Everybody's yeah. logic go out that window. I had a friend, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, when you're in an accident, right? Yeah. And like, you're about to crash in something and somehow you hit the gas instead of the brake, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. all know which is which. Yep. But your lizard brain clicked and I get it. Yeah. So what I'm saying yeah. is like, until we can figure this out, like, why not make them shape like pancakes? There we go. You understand what I'm saying? So then, so then when officers stand up and say, I thought it was my gun, we could look at you and go, okay. <laughs> yeah. You thought yeah. it was your gun. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So then now, so now can we get into the conversation that like maybe the whole, if everyone is in fight or flight, if we're all in uh -huh. crisis mode. If we're there and we'll give you that. We'll yes. give you that, right? If you're like, in we're, crisis we're you mode. That. Yeah, you're in crisis mode. And so am I because right. I'm afraid I might die. Then what we're saying is the whole infrastructure is flawed. Like, yeah. we shouldn't both be in crisis mode, uh -huh. right? Uh-huh. So, yeah. So I, I guess that's where my head go right now. And I'm like, and at some point you're like, I just, I don't know what the hell else to tell you. Like, I don't know right. what. Well, because we've been telling it for over a year. I feel like it's been a year of me talking, but why doesn't anybody get it? Like, yeah, man. you know, it, it's just like the same conversation every single day. And it, here, here's the deal. I know there's new people coming by yeah. and I know as platforms grow, there's more people that, that can't get educated, but I'm just tired. And I hear that in your voice. Like, yeah, you're just tired. You're tired yeah. of having to have the same conversation over and over. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, uh, I even think too, like, okay. So like this, <laughs> let's get to it. So like, Okay. When I think about like the the SBC's rejection of critical race theory, yeah, I'm like, here's why you needed it. Here's why you're <laughs> here's why here's why you're failing. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and and I'm going because I I'm like I I feel like you still yeah I still don't understand it because I'm like yeah uh, you you we're talking about how our identity as it as we relate to the nation state you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. i don't understand why you're so worried about whether it's biblical or not i'm like i don't right what under what does i have to uh, that's not what we're talking about like we're about we're talking about how our reality as humans in yeah. the nation it's how the nation and yes. you go well well my identity is in christ i go well that's interesting you got a driver's license <laughs> Right. You got a social security number. That's how you relate to the state. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? So I'm like, say you, know, you know what mine say? Mine say male, black, non-Hispanic. That's what mine say. Uh -huh. This is the way that the nation state sees me. Yes. And critical race theory is just saying, how do you understand that? It's like you mad at a salmon yeah. saying a salmon <laughs> ain't fish because it can't climb a tree. <laughs> what are you talking about? Exactly. That's what I'm trying to yes. say. What is you talking yeah. about? Like, they have nothing to do with each other. And the reason mm. why this is so hard for you is because you don't want to accept. Yeah. There is a way to understand this. The way that yeah, the state understands us is racialized. That's how the state understands us. The theory right. is just to understand how the state understands me. 
So right. if you understood that, you would say, oh, no. I get why black people are nervous when the police come. Right. Because this is right. how the state understands me and why that's, black people understand the experience of the Latino person. Because it's yes. samesies. It's called intersectionality. <laughs> we get it. You're so, yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, yes. I don't understand how you like. Uh, is it uh, biblical to wear a watch? I don't know. The right. Bible don't say it because it's because they got nothing to do with it. <laughs> That's right. Yo, it's so good. Do it. Yes. Oh, so to man. me, it's like at that point. So when you start. So to me, it's like you're right. Like I get tired, especially when I'm explaining the obvious. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then and then yeah. at that point, like you a father, it's like. I mean, right. how many times and I'm and I'm not trying to like infantilize people around us. But what I am saying is like, how many times have you had these conversations with your daughters that at some right. point you walk away and go, you know what? Um, uh -huh. I'll wait. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait till you at your job. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. And, then, and then you look at all the taxes coming out of your check. You feel me? Yep. And then yep. and then your own daughter go, wait a minute. <laughs> No, 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 no! I don't, no, no. I don't want that. Starbucks. I don't want. I want. Yeah, I want. Yeah. I want. I, I want a tall, not a not a vente. I want a tall, not a vente. I'm like, you get it now? Okay, cool. I never stop yeah. telling you. Now, now yeah. I tell you no more. I just, I just had to wait it out. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, in those moments, prop of seeing somebody get it. Yeah, that, that is the thing. That is the thing that that keeps me going every day. You know, that yeah. is the thing. The the DMs I do get from people that I know one hundred percent. We're we're not looking at the world the way I look at the world, and then now they are. It yeah. makes me it makes me want to keep glorious. going. The, it, yeah. Well, it's glorious, and so you know something that I'd love to to ask you really quickly um, is uh, now I you know I'm not in your world every single day. We're friends. We've been yeah. friends a long a long long time. But yeah. like I exist in a white centric world. Every mm -hmm. I mean, like the the people that listen to me that read my books that you know yeah. like it, it's it's white people and there's there's just this battle that happens in my heart yeah. when when the same ones who choose to listen to me when it comes to faith decide yeah. that they don't want to listen to me when it comes to race yeah and and that's where my that's that's where the frustration and the battle comes in yeah. uh, do you feel that and if you do can you speak into that i did at one yeah. point um, and then they all left you <laughs> they left yeah so they i don't left. have to worry about it no more you know what i'm saying uh yeah, no, nah, but but on a serious note, I I did I I I felt the burden because I who no one wants to be misunderstood. No one wants to be right, right. you know, mischaracterized. We're public figures, you know. I'm an yeah. artist, you know what I'm saying? So there's this dimension to having a public faith which like what's his name? Upton, Upton Sinclair said uh you know, it's 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 hard to get a man to understand a thing when his salary depends on him not understanding a thing. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So like, yeah. so for me, it was like, at that point, I was like, you know what? For the sake of my career and my faith, I need to fall back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just, yeah. let me just, let me just uh, plant my flag in the sand. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Create content I can stand by. You feel yeah. me? That I believe yeah. in, that I'm, that I would hope my grandchildren see and are still proud of. Then yeah. and let the chips fall where they lie. I get it. Uh, last thing, uh, so the the show's called Human Hope. Yes. Do do a do you have hope? And B, where's your hope coming from today? I do have hope. I have hope in the sense that, like, you know, 
Earth is not young. You know what I'm saying? Like human civilization is not new. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So like kingdoms come and go. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Earth is not young. (laughs) Earth ain't young. You know what I'm saying? Like it's been through stuff. You know what I'm saying? So like I think eventually, you know, we having an understanding of history in the sense that like empires come and go, you know? Yeah. Whereas as far as America is concerned, I mean, we're on borrowed time. Every modern nation, especially in the G8, they've all collapsed and had to start over. So is, are we going to make it out here unscathed? No. You know what I'm saying? At some point, America's going to collapse. You know what I'm saying? And so did France. But it's like, is it still on the planet? Yes, France is fine. You can go visit it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's people (laughs) still there. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, here's here's another here's another funny story. I'm trying to keep this real yeah. fast. Like there was No, a, you go, you're fine. When um a few years, I think it was two years back, uh, when there was some stuff going on at the at the Syria in Syria and in Turkey border border. You know I'm connected with Germany, yeah. uh recording real real tightly, right? So there was some stuff going on right there, and I was expressing this like situation getting real sticky. And this young lady, you know, she was she was uh she was also like, you know, Arab, so She's, but she's very wealthy. So yeah. she was like, what are you guys talking about? And I was like, are you, are you kidding me? There's like mm. some, some missiles launched at the border of Syria and Turkey. And she goes, "Yeah, what? And I was like, dog, you don't even know. I was like, at first I'm judging her. I'm like, it must be nice to be rich. She goes, oh, I'm from Beirut. I grew <laughs> up in Lebanon. Like there's always bombs. And I was right. like, okay. Okay, this, okay. I don't have categories for this. She's like, because you got cheek from a country that been in civil war as long as me and you've been alive. You know what I'm saying? So she's like, what are bombs? What is you talking about? Unrest. When has there ever been rest? You know, so she's like, I'm not impressed by what you Uh, shook. She's like, you're shook because you don't experience this. She's like, I'm not shook. I'm from Lebanon. And I'm like, okay. And I'm talking to you. We're having a great conversation. We just finished the right. cocktail. And I'm like, you, and we could right now, Carlos, yep. you could hop on a plane and fly to Beirut yep, and sit in Lebanon yeah. and enjoy a nice cup of tea. Absolutely. So kingdoms come and go. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? So for yes. me, that's where I get hope. It's like, this, yeah. this, is, this is the way of the world. They don't, they yeah. not, none of this is forever. Right. Right. You know, Gosh. we'll be all right. No, we'll you know what I'm saying? Right. Or we no. won't. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Or we won't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's good, man. That's yeah. a good word. I just, I just, I love you. I appreciate you. Appreciate You're always, you, man. um, uh, I mean, you know, we, we text about daughters and yeah. kids and raising, you know, doing that thing. And, yeah. uh, I, I, I just appreciate you hopping on here for a few minutes. Thanks, man. Yeah. Nah, no, it was my pleasure. Good. Thanks for thinking of me. You know, after having conversations like that on a daily basis, um, whether it be on socials or just in person with a friend, I am desperate to talk to somebody. And when I say talk to somebody, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Like people aren't always available. My, my family's not always available. But do you know who is? My friend that I pay for, which is my therapist. And I could not be more excited to bring to you guys our very first show sponsor 
which is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What is BetterHelp? BetterHelp is an online counseling service. It's online with professional licensed therapists ready to hang out with you and whatever needs it is that you guys have. This is what I want you guys to do. I want you to go to BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash human hope. And when you go there, you're going to see some really cool things. You're going to see that you can find individual counseling for like for you, couple counseling if you're in a relationship um, or even like teenage counseling for your kids. These therapists are ready to work right now. You can actually get matched with your own professional licensed therapist within 48 hours and start communicating within 48 hours. Now, what do I mean by start communicating? You can send a message to your counselor anytime and you're going to get a timely response pretty soon after you send that message. But not only that, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions. What I love about it, it's completely private. You don't have to hang out like in a waiting room and like you're like, oh my gosh, I hope somebody that knows me doesn't walk in here right now. You don't have to worry about any of that, okay? And it's also available worldwide. And you can find the particular need, the particular focus that you need worked on. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, self-esteem, anything and everything you share is absolutely confidential. So listen, it's affordable. And for you, the Human Hope listeners, I'm going to give you a code that is going to allow you to get 10% off of your first month. I've already done it and had two sessions. So you can trust me when I tell you this is going to be so helpful. What I want you to do is go to betterhelp.com slash human hope. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health as well. Betterhelp.com slash human hope. What did I say? I told you. I told you. <laughs> oh, prop. I love you, man. I, I've, I felt like I actually, as I'm editing this, had to listen four or five times because he dropped so many truth bombs on top of Arcabeses. And Arcabeses is your head. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you. Prop guys, you're welcome. A new friend for you. And we're going to finish off the show with, I'll be honest with you. This is my fave, my fave of the friends. Uh, this girl has been through a lot with my family. I trust her with everything. Um, and she is going to give you the perspective of what I feel like, um, is, is a true perspective of what you will find many black queens feeling in this season of America. Um, I don't know what season it is, but the season we're living in, I don't know. I can't call it a season. I can't title it, but you know what I'm talking about. This is her point of view. And she says some things that I think may be worth the entire podcast. So friends, my friend, and now your friend, Corinne. How are you doing? Meh. <laughs> uh-huh. I yeah. um I've resolved to remove myself from yeah. the situation so I don't feel the depth of pain that I'm mm. 
one's experiencing on the inside um, mm. in the depth of despair <laughs> that I'm mm. um, feeling on the inside in the depth of frustration um, mm. that I'm feeling on the inside. So I, um, I guess I, I would, um, it would come off as indifference, but that is, it's far yeah. from that. It's almost yeah. like a, I'm in self-protection mode. Yeah, you're you're um, you're <laughs> trying to exist on yeah. a, uh, like exactly. like throughout like literally trying to not come undone. So the only way to do that is to just cope. And yeah, you know, I was I, talking to eat. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was saying that's that's it. I was walking with a friend because I've resolved for my mental health and emotional health to just, you know, I take walks and I sort of vomit my feelings. And, um, Mm. I had a friend with me yesterday and she was like, how are you? I was like, I'm just existing. (laughs) I'm here. I I exist in this realm and I'm here, Mm. but that's all I I feel like I have to offer. Uh, um, you know, and the the funny thing is, is that <laughs> here's here's the thing about being black in America. Um, when when this is a reality, is that sometimes all we have left inside of us to offer is to simply exist and not self implode because of all the pain that yeah. we have to deal with. Yet we're expected to continue to live at the capacity that, you know, everyone else is expecting us to live in. We we still have to go to work. We still have to yeah. be in meetings. We still have to smile. We still have to, when the whole time we're merely trying to hang on. Um, yeah. And, and it, it's, and it's exhausting. And, um, you know, I see it, I see it in your eyes. I know, I know when Corinne goes into, um, uh, survival mode, um, you know, and it's, it's okay to, to, to be done having to do that. I don't feel like we, um, oh, Corinne, I, I, I don't feel like we should have to just expect to have to do this the rest of our lives. Right. Like, like, cause I feel like, I, f- I feel like people, maybe a lot of people are like, well, you know what? Like, yeah, we could reform a little bit. Like we, maybe we could reform a couple things a little bit to make, make things a little bit better, but I'm here to actually say, I, I don't know if I want that. Like I, I, maybe I'm kind of tired of just a little bit of change. Like, and, and that's, what's so exhausting is like, am I going to have to live till I'm 80? Just continuing a a little bit of change doesn't change the fact that you still feel threatened by my existence as a black or a person Mm. of color. I can do and have done everything um, in my power to come off as non-threatening, whatever that means. Mm. I smile Mm. when I walk. um, I wave at people when I really don't want to, just so that Mm. they don't feel threatened, so that I'm not on the news the next day and my name is being called. And that is, I think... I think that's like secretly um, 
that uh like that's secretly like a heavy burden that I carry and I think in mm-hmm. moments like this it really comes to full surface that like oh wow you've been <laughs> operating in this mm-hmm. existence and being very performative um to mm-hmm. make sure that you don't come off as a threat so that you know, your mom doesn't have to worry about you not <laughs> calling her anymore yeah. or not being alive, you know? And so, you know, I think in moments like this, it makes it so real that like, yeah. it really doesn't matter. Um, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And it's like, then what am I doing? You know? So you're almost right. in crisis mode. Like, what can I possibly do to make you accept me for who mm. I am. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a lot. It's yeah. definitely a lot. <laughs> and just thinking about the, the men in my life, um, you know, wondering about them and, and it's, yeah, it's a lot. So I'm just T- like exhausted. Isn't even a word. <laughs> you know? Yeah tired you know that that's what i'm getting from a lot of my friends is i'm just tired i'm tired like i you know it's it's crazy to think that i feel like even you know at the end of last summer pushing into the fall there was there's just this strength like inside of the black community that was like no like no like no we're changing this we're changing this and it was like and now i'm watching all these saints brothers and sisters who who were like at the front lines, just being like, I don't, I just don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm so exhausted. I am just absolutely exhausted. And, um, and we're weary, you know, we're weary. What I would love for you to speak into for just a second, because I think this is so important for people to hear. You talk about feeling to be performative as a black woman to not come across, I don't know, as intimidating or as, uh, whatever whatever white people may feel uh, from a strong independent black woman, can you can you can you? Because I'm not I'm not that, and and that is something that a black woman carries that I don't think a black man does. Talk to us a little bit about black femininity and how it's viewed as almost scary from. Yeah from some, I won't say all, but, but some, if not many white people and, and, and how, how you have to kind of engage through that. You've talked a little bit about it. You smile, you wave, but maybe unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, I think, um, you know, black women, we are essentially the backbone of, of, of the family and of our culture. And there has been this silencing and almost a, a whitewashing of who we are so that we can fit in into these spheres of influence. Um, Mm. And in order to do that, you almost have to do whatever it takes to not fit into whatever stereotype society has created about what it means to be my person. You know, whether that is straightening my hair, whether that is not being reactive to things that are Mm. absolutely foolish, (laughs) Um, you know, whether that is being passive. So I don't come off as an angry black woman, whether that's not being assertive and not speaking my truth. So then you start doing all these things. And what you find is at the end of the day, you've silenced your own voice. Um, 
and your what your friends see or what your corporate life sees or what your your job sees is a shell of who you truly are. Um, and sometimes you perform for so long that you actually believe that that is the real you. <laughs> um, wow. And so what happens is this transition happens where you're sort of your faux self and yet it's still not enough. So now I'm having an identity crisis and <laughs> it's still not enough. Yeah. Like I'm still not yeah. getting the same pay as you. I'm still not getting the same opportunities as you. I'm still a threat to everyone around me. <laughs> um, for some reason you will find some type of flaw or something insignificant about me. And so um, that is exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I think what what has happened over the, the past year and even, you know, years prior, you know, with Philando and, and the different atrocities yeah. that happened in 2014, 2015, 2016 um, has been this this like roar coming out of men and women of color um, of that, that that inner voice that has been hidden for so long. So there's this roar yeah. that's been coming out. So I think in 2020, you've been that's seeing good. so much of the roar. And so we're yes. roaring, roaring, we're being ourselves, um, but we still have to deal with the same ish. We still have to deal <laughs> with system, like the systems are still the same. You know, people yeah. are still broken. People are still living lives by whatever they're taught that can be very detrimental to my existence. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, so it's just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm tired. And I think you'll hear a lot of tired because there's a lot of things that we just can't really articulate, but what we feel is tired. So yeah. I have a lot yeah. of, things and, and adjectives that I'd like to throw out, but what I essentially feel is a bit tired and helpless in all of it. Yes. Um, and having, and, and the crazy fact is like, like this is happening at such a frequent, frequent weight, uh, rate that now we're like six degrees of separation from the next person. Like to know that like, um, you know, Dante Wright's teacher was related right. to George Floyd. Um, yes. And then the fellow that got pepper sprayed, the uh, veteran that got pepper sprayed was related to Eric Garner. So it's like, right. this is happening at such a, 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 an atrocious frequency that like, I'm more connected to mm. being snuffed out um, yeah. at the hands of someone who's threatened my, by me than living out a long life on this earth. And that is yeah. a scary thought. Um, you know, cause before you'd read it on the news and it, it was terrible, but you just, you know, it was never someone that you knew. Right. And now it's becoming people that, Oh, I knew this kid or I knew that dude, you know? And yeah. that's, um, that's yeah. scary. That is, that is, oh, that was, that was so well put. You know, as you're talking about, I'm thinking the reason why this is, our bodies are being so affected by this trauma is as you're speaking, I'm, I'm imagining 
You know, you know, like when you watch like Bugs Bunny as a kid or, or I mean, you you may be too young for that or some of these old school 70s, 80s cartoons. And there was always a stick of dynamite, a stick of dynamite. Right. And they mm-hmm. would light the stick of dynamite like, you know, and the the um, the wick was like a mile long and you'd watch the wick just kind of you'd watch it go. You'd watch it go. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if we're watching it getting closer and closer and closer to us. Yeah. That's what I feel when, yeah. when, when you say that. Yeah, it's definitely become more of a threat for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I love you. And I just am so happy to see your face on my screen right now. And <laughs> I appreciate the wisdom that you just dropped to the Human Help listeners. And you didn't even mean to drop it. I, you were like, I ain't got nothing to say. And, I, and now you're like, boom. So Corinne's going to have to come back on the show. But I love you. Thanks love for hanging you. out with us. All right. Thanks. Hey, one, one last question. Yeah. One last question. Um, the show's called Human Hope. What right now is giving you hope? I am actually clinging to voices of the past that have um, acknowledged my humanity, if that makes any sense. Mm. So I actually, yesterday, I was thinking about this lady, um, this nurse. I was, was, we're in the thick of the pandemic, and um, I believe uh, George Floyd had just happened. And, you know, I walk and I process. And if I'm very frustrated, I'll walk for miles and miles, and then my roommate will have to pick me up um, because I can't make the walk back. But um, I was... Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, okay, because your, yeah, your video. You. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. No, no, it's fine. It just says you have, the, it's the internet because of probably the weather. But um, Got it. I was doing. I can still hear you though. Okay, awesome. I was doing my walk and I was walking and um, there's this like uh, outpatient um, medical area that's by where we live. And I was walking and this lady was about to turn into the, the intersection and she saw me walking and she just immediately sort of turned in front of me. So I'm already like, Oh God, it's this white lady. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. So I immediately start, you know, being nice, you know, you smile, you wave. Like I said, that what we do, we I'm trying to disarm because I don't know what's about to happen. Um, Oh yeah. And she rolled down, she rolls down her window and she's like, Hey ma'am, And I was like, yeah, um, hey, can I help you with something? And she says, "Um, I just wanted you to know that you matter to me. And um, that that really floored me um, because I was really hurt, um, as we all were. And um, Mm. for her to just go out of her way to just say that to me, you know, I, I cling to to those people who go out of their way to be human. Um, And if you can Mm. just go out of your way to be human um, and help another person remember that they're human when everything around them says otherwise that, um, I mean, it's been a year, almost a year. And I I still think about that lady. Wow. Whoever you are. That's all it took. Yes. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. She may be listening. She may be listening. You never yes. know. 
you lovely nurse, you're out in the front lines doing God's work <laughs> in a pandemic, and you had time to stop and let me know that I mattered. And I thank you and bless you. <sighs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, Prop, EJ, and Corinne for being vulnerable and sharing with your 40,000 new friends just a little bit of how are you doing. That's it. That's that's all it takes. You guys, pick up your phone, ask somebody how they're doing. Let, let me be honest. If you're, if you're of any race, just ask somebody how they're doing, Okay do it. We're talking in particular because black Americans have had a really rough week, but that's not going to be the case all the time. This is empathy. This is sitting with, feeling with, not feeling for, and that is the goal. Friends, I'm so, so grateful that you trusted me with the last hour or however long it is. I haven't edited this thing yet. Maybe, who knows, maybe two hours maybe 30 minutes. I don't know, but whatever it is, I'm so grateful that you trusted me with your time. This is huge. Okay. If you're a first time human hope listener, I know there's a lot today uh, because this is going to be shared a lot. Um, I would love for you to subscribe. So important. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. That way you don't miss an episode when it pops out. I've got some really important conversations that are coming up that I've already recorded the interviews for in the next few weeks. And so you're not going to want to miss any of the episodes. So make sure that you subscribe. And then also one last final push. If I could get another thousand of you guys. Okay. And I I know I can see your little IP addresses when you're downloading it. I know you're there. If I could get you to please rate and review this podcast, especially on Apple podcasts, it really helps get the show in front of more and more people. You guys are the best. I love you with everything inside of me. I got lots of hope. And the reason I got that hope is because you guys you give me hope for the Human Hope Podcast and the whole familia. This is Carlos Enrique Guzman Archibald Cabello saying, I'll see you next week on Human Hope.